At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. A diagnosis of gynecological cancer is life-altering. The Gynecological Oncology Program at City of Hope offers a unique approach for women diagnosed with all types of these cancers. My guest today is Dr. Michael Lynn. He's an associate clinical professor and staff surgeon in the Gynecological Oncology Department at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lynn. So tell us about gynecological cancers. What types are they and who is most at risk for them? Um, the three most common uh, cancer in this area are uh, the first most common one is uterine cancer, and the second most common will be ovarian cancer, and the third one will be cervical cancer. Uh, there are other uh, minor cancers such as vulvar cancer, vaginal cancer, or gestational trophoblastic tumor, but for the majority, it's ovarian, uterine, and cervical cancer. So what are some uh, risk factors for these? Well, obviously, the ovarian cancer, the the most important risk factor is family history. Um, For uterine cancer, the majority is obesity-related and also diabetes and hypertension-related. And cervical cancer are obviously uh, HPV-related disease. Um, And in terms of the the age at risk, um, cervical cancer tend to be around around um, late late 40s, early 50s. Ovarian cancer tend to be around age 60, 70. And uterine cancer is, is by anywhere between 50 and 70 years old. So then let's talk about the most common first, the uterine cancer, as you said. Tell us a little bit about symptoms. You know, Dr. Lin, patients always want to know symptoms First, is there something that we would notice as women that would send up a red flag that would send us to see you? Uh, obviously, the um, postmenopausal bleeding um, is cancer until proven otherwise. And if you're bleeding postmenopausally, that needs to be looked into. Uh, Got to figure out where the source is coming from, and a patient will need require a, a, a biopsy of the uterine lining to make sure that not, uh, cancer or precancerous. Okay, so what are some treatments? Is this, you know, people hear uterine cancer and, wow, they think it's a really, really tough one to beat. Tell us a little bit about uterine cancer treatments. Um, uterine cancer is actually um, the exact opposite of ovarian cancer. Uterine cancer um, is actually very treatable and curable. Majority uterine cancer is early stage uh, because the presenting symptoms are vaginal bleeding. So women tend to uh, show up uh, early their presentation, and they're treated. And majority of the treatment is, is uh, surgically by removing the source, which is dress, ovaries, and cervix. And uh, majority of women will do well. So you have a hysterectomy, and is this generally followed by chemotherapy and/or radiation? Does the risk, does the hysterectomy, you know, generally take care of most of it? Right. Um, uh, about seventy-five percent of uterine cancer stage one. And the majority of stage 1 disease are, are treated surgically and cured surgically. Um, if patients have risk factors, um, um, either in, in stage 1 or stage 2 and above, then patient will require adjuvant therapy. Um, but majority of the uterine cancer will be treated surgically. 
So let's move on to ovarian cancers. And this is an overview of all of these, Dr. Lynn. We understand that. So speak about symptoms of ovarian cancer because it's been called the silent cancer. Why is that? Yeah, it's just um, because the, the symptoms are are common among women. It's And a lot of symptoms mimicking, um, you know, um, menstrual irregularity, uh, like, you know, bloating, uh, abdominal distension, um, subtle early satieties, and some of these are symptoms that women go through on a monthly basis. So these are kind of like really subtle symptoms. And unfortunately, there is, you know, most majority of these patients will present at advanced stage when the symptom really blossom, when the abdomen is distended and they're losing weight and, and clearly um, something is, is not right. Um, so unfortunately, the majority of ovarian cancer are presented at advanced stage, which is the exact opposite of uterine cancer. So we get a pap smear every year, Dr. Lin, and the pap smear will show us cervical issues, but how is ovarian cancer diagnosed if we only have symptoms such as bloating and, you know, bleeding, things that happen to us all the time? When do we ask our gynecologist to say to check for ovarian cancer? Right. Um, there's no, there's no uh, perfect screening test for ovarian cancer, unfortunately. Um, our current screening uh, tools are um, tumor markers such as C125 and pelvic ultrasound. But even those two uh, tests are not recommended in our general population because they are nonspecific and they can lead to unnecessary surgeries if, if, if uh, these nonspecific you know, findings shows up. Uh, I would say, you know, patient got to pay attention to subtle symptoms and discuss with their physician. And if it's appropriate, you know, the test can, uh, can be, can be uh, ordered. But in a, in a generous uh, population without uh, family history, um, or personal history of breast cancer, screening is not recommended. And, and, and that is a frustration uh, among patients that, you know, how do I know? How, you know, if, if you don't screen for this test, by the time it shows up, it's, it's too late. Um, but so far, there is no uh, uh, standard that recommended screening test for brain cancer, unfortunately. Now, what about treatment? So hopefully, if you found this and you've discussed this with your doctor, what do you do for these patients? Yeah, um, again, majority of ovarian cancer are advanced stage. And the best treatment uh, modality is aggressive uh, cytoreductive surgery and remo- removing all the visible tumor. That category of patient will give the best outcome when you follow uh, aggressive chemotherapy uh, after uh, uh, cytoreductive surgery. And that's been shown that it can improve overall survival if they're uh, cytoreduced uh, to no visible disease and followed by uh, chemotherapy. What about preventative surgery, Dr. Lin? If someone is at risk for ovarian cancer, genetic risk, family history, that sort of thing, is there preventive surgery, and do you generally recommend that if somebody has that genetic risk for this? Yeah, if the uh, patient, uh, either uh, personal history of ovarian cancer, breast cancer, or strong family history of breast cancer, or ovarian cancer, and they're tested positive uh, for the uh, uh, BRCA gene 1 and 2, uh, the current recommendation is prophylactic uh, oophorectomy um, after complete childbearing. Uh, and probably this recommended uh, after age 40 to age 45, 
uh, and that that's been shown to um, to uh, decrease uh, the risk of ovarian cancer. Also, um, our current knowledge is that um, about eighty to ninety percent of uh, BRCA related ovarian cancer came from the distal tip of the uh, fallopian tube, and so there has been a push uh, for um, taking the fallopian tube out when the patient is younger or when the patient is undergoing hysterectomy by preserving the ovaries, or women that, who are BRCA positive but not ready to take the ovaries out yet because of their age and to take the tube out. So these are um, preventative measures that, that have been proven uh, to decrease the risk of ovarian cancer. So the BRCA gene that we've heard so much about for breast cancer is also the gene for ovarian cancer? Yes, they are linked together, yes. Do you recommend women get tested for this gene? Um, the, you have to adhere to the clinical guidelines. Um, the current guideline for, for BRCA testing um, for any uh, personal history of ovarian cancer. Um, also, the strong family history of ovarian cancer or breast cancer, or even uh, a family history of male breast cancer. So if you fit all those criteria, and the recommendation is go through testing. Now let's just finish up with cervical cancer as it's been related to the HPV, human papillomavirus, and now we're giving girls this vaccine and boys, you know, in their early teens. Those of us who are past that age that we can get that vaccine are still at risk for cervical cancer. Are there symptoms we would notice? Um, the cervical cancer, the best strategy is prevention and and screening for cervical cancer with, uh, H, with a pap smear and uh, HPV testing. And the screening guideline has evolved and has changed. Uh, now the, um, the, the screening guideline is including both HPV testing and pap smear that can give the uh, best uh, predict values. So um, the, the, the best prevention other than vaccine in, in young girls and boys up to age 26 um, you know, pap smear HPV testing is still is still the best tool we have um, in terms of uh, uh, detecting uh, precancer of the cervix and prevent cervical cancer. In just the last minute, please, Dr. Lin, give your best advice for women that are worried about these gynecological cancers and why they should come to City of Hope for their care. Um, City of Hope is uh, a um, um, NCCN-designated institution. Um, it, it provides the state-of-the-art cancer care you know, in a multidisciplinary approach. Um, you know, we interact very closely with our medical uh, oncology colleague, our surgical oncology colleague, and radiation oncology colleague. And, and the approach is the comprehensive way uh, in, in uh, ca- cancer care. So this is a team approach, and the um, and, and, uh, best team approach, comprehensive approach, give the best outcome. Thank you so much. You're listening to City of Hope Radio. For more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.